0: Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. On today's podcast, we'll be speaking about surrogacy with Karen Sinishu, vice president of third-party reproduction at the center of surrogate parenting. Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility, experiences. I'm here with Karen Sinishu, Vice President of Third Party Reproduction at the Center of Surrogate Parenting. It's an international organization established in 1980, shortly after the laws changed in the United States allowing surrogacy. It's a way of assisting intended parents of having children. So Karen, thank you so much for being here today. And there's so much to talk about in terms of the inception of the field and how parents decide to do this. Where
1: would you like to start today? Well, thank you, Laurie, for having me on your broadcast. I think the information you were sharing with your public is invaluable. And so I'm happy to be here today. So I thought I would start by giving a little history of surrogacy. So um, surrogacy began back in 1980. Um, Center for Surrogate Parenting was started by my business partner, Bill Handel. In those very early days, there were no laws about surrogacy. So technically, the surrogate mom was the mom, and the intended father would add his name because he could prove his link to the child and then the mother, the intended mother, would have to go through a step parent adoption. Now we fast forward all of this time, laws began to become established in America and in today's world, the intended mom and the intended father are now recognized as the parents on the original birth certificate. Which is the way it should be from the very beginning because they are the ones that are creating this child and they should have the recognition on the original birth certificate.
0: It almost gives me the chills as you say that, especially since they're the intended parents. So that's a huge difference.
1: You know, one of the things I often say to my, my uh, clients is whether it's your egg or your sperm or both of your egg and sperm that are creating this child, these particular ge- this particular genetics would not exist in the world if it were not for them coming together and creating this child. If yes. they chose a different sperm donor, a different egg donor, a different genetic child would exist. But the only reason why this particular child exists in this world is because those intended parents created the child. Oh, I they love that. Yes. The parents
0: absolutely I absolutely agree with you and so this law changing how to be so significant for these parents who are intending to have this child
1: it is wonderful it's wonderful that you don't have to go through a step-parent adoption and basically adopt your own child
0: I mean that is ridiculous
1: and I think part of it is recognition that infertility is a disease and it's not a choice that we're all making it is a disease like any other disease and I believe that the law and medicine should be doing all they can to help infertile couples battle this disease that they have and overcome it. Yes, I, I agree with you. And I think one pay insurance will cover it, right? I agree with you. And I think, though, that the beautiful
0: part of this is that when we compare uh, fertility challenges to a chronic illness or a disease, the difference is that, that you will have a child. We're just not sure how you're gonna have that child, but you can have the family that you want. It just may not look like the family you initially intended it to be.
1: Correct, but at the end of this journey, you will become a parent. It just might not be of the same genetic child you thought you were gonna have.
0: So how do you then go about the selection process? Now you have these intended parents who want a child and you have to find a surrogate. I know that you do an extensive evaluation of them, as well as of the intended parents, and then you try and match them. How does this even happen?
1: Well, I'll start with the screening of a surrogate mom. So the screening of a surrogate mom is obviously a very lengthy process. So at CSP, we have about 400 applicants from surrogate moms nationwide every single month. Wow! Now we've got to go through all of those applicants, and we're looking for the right kind of person to be a surrogate mom. So first of all, you're looking for a woman who has previously given birth. You clearly don't want to work with someone who's never given birth because, one, you want to know that she's fertile herself, and having a child means that she's fertile and can carry a a good pregnancy. But two, as we all know, every pregnancy can be dangerous. So you don't want a young lady giving away or returning a child to the intended parents then having lost the ability to carry a second child for herself. So we want to make sure that surrogate moms have completed their families. Oh, that's
0: such a such a significant point that I think many people a- would not have
1: thought of. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to do yeah. harm. So, for for CSP, a successful surrogacy is not just a couple going home with the baby; it is also that the surrogate mom gets to return to her family with no harm being done to her.
0: Yes, and one of the things I noticed that um, that you had actually written or spoken about was when you do the screening you also want to be sure of the support system that the surrogate has in place so we will
1: meet. so we will meet the surrogate mom and her husband face to face we want her husband her significant partner maybe a mom if she's a single person we want someone significant in her life meeting with us but if she's married we want to make sure that we're meeting that husband face to face answering all of these questions that he might have we even give husbands the opportunity of saying to them if after this we'll say it to him privately if if, as we go through the process you change your mind and you do not want your wife to become a surrogate mom please just call us and tell us and we will work with you to move your surrogate mom on so that she doesn't become a surrogate mom or that we can resolve this between the two of you but We need these husbands to be supportive of their Sarabic moms. You don't want an angry person in the house.
0: Absolutely. What I've noticed is that the women who I've been working with who um, are going through surrogacy are very taken with the families. They visit the families, actually, and they'll go to the surrogate's home, they'll meet the husband, and they'll meet the children, not where they're becoming best friends. But for this period of time, there's this incredible bond that goes on and this communication well, so that takes place. We had a
1: surrogate mom once that we asked the question of. Well, she was at a seminar for us and one of the parents stood up and said, but I don't understand. Why are you doing this? You're yes. a, you know, you've are you got a husband that earns a good salary. You have a great career. Why on earth did you become a surrogate mom? And she just smiled and she said, let me explain it a different way. I'm not going to cure cancer. I'm just not clever enough to do that. I'm not one of those people that's going to make a huge impact on the world. But what I do really well is I can carry a pregnancy, and I can help one family and help them for all their generations. That I can do, and that's why I do this.
0: That's quite an answer.
1: And it's a beautiful answer, and that's, beautiful. these surrogate moms are the most amazing, kind people that you can imagine. They love being pregnant, they love their own children, and they can't imagine someone out there is unable to have their own family. And they just want to be able to help someone have their own family.
0: Do you find that that's, in most, most cases, it's very different than almost people donating an egg or donating um, sperm, because they're actually delivering so, it's a very different process.
1: It's, it's different because of commitment, right? The commitment yes. that you make. making. When you're a sperm donor, it doesn't take that long. And when you're an egg donor, it's a two-month process at most. Um, but when you're dealing with surrogacy, you know, you're in a relationship for anywhere from eighteen months to two years with this intended parent. And then you're updating each other after that. You've really got to know each other. So it's this beautiful commitment that you have to each other and the bonding that occurs.
0: So how do you then do that? How do you match the two people? Because I'm sure even though the surrogates are going in at this point, because there's a very different mindset to be a surrogate than a donor, how do you then match these two people or these four so in people? Our program,
1: yeah, so in our program, we of course have mental health professionals that do that part. And I believe that mental health professionals are invaluable in the field of surrogacy. So the way that our program works is we're going to interview each couple find out who they are, how their relationship works with each other. We're going to ask them intense questions. Do you want a singleton? Are you looking to have twins? If you end up with a triplet pregnancy, are you going to reduce the pregnancy? Are you going to go ahead with the pregnancy? If there's a medical problem, what will you ask the surrogate mom to do with this pregnancy? What kind of relationship do you want with your surrogate mom before, during, and after that you think you can be comfortable with, so before the pregnancy, during the pregnancy? after the pregnancy, there's no right or wrong answers because whatever the couple says, we're going to have a surrogate mom that's saying something similar. And then when we interview the surrogate moms, we're asking her almost the same questions. So what the counselors then do is take this written information as well as their write-up about the personalities of the people and we're recommending matches. But we're not saying to a couple, this is your surrogate mom, and as if they have no choice we like to present couples with choices. So we're going to go through, choose the two or three surrogate moms that we think are perfect matches, and then we're going to go ahead and give the couple maybe two or three surrogate moms to choose from.
0: How does that work exactly? The couples have their choice. Do they interview each other? Do they meet? where does that interaction happen
1: but not at that particular time what they're doing when a surrogate mom when a surrogate mom receives several couples she normally sits with her husband at home or her friends at home right they read over three or four pro- uh, profiles and say oh my goodness this couple just resonates with me right. often we get surrogate moms that say how do i choose they're so adorable i want to help everyone i wish i had three uteruses right <laughs> um, but eventually they're going to have to choose which couple they want to help and, and
0: uh, do you find that when they have these interactions, that um, it's easy for people to connect?
1: Once you do a proper match and you do a, a really good match, we're matching them because of the things that they have in common. Okay. So the flow of conversation is helpful. So once a surrogate mom is chosen, then a couple gets to choose. Now the couple's not interviewing the surrogate mom yet; she's looking at the pro- they're looking at the profile and they speak into the counselor who interviewed that surrogate mom. So that counselor knows the surrogate mom pretty intimately and has spoken to her on several occasions, including going to a group meeting with her. Once the couple then sees and chooses which surrogate mom they want to work with, then the counselor hosts a meeting between the surrogate mom and the couple.
0: And how does that usually go? I'm wondering how comfortable people are when they first
1: meet or how excited they are. I think everyone is scared out of their minds because (laughs) this is the person that's (laughs) carrying a baby and you're meeting someone for the first time, which is why a counselor is there to do the introduction.
0: What comes to mind to me is the issues of control or the feelings of control because now you're kind of relinquishing the caring of your child. To this, to this person who you don't know. And they very often, if you're living in New York State or out of state because the laws in New York don't allow for surrogacy, or if you're doing something internationally, because I know you work internationally, how does that communication take place in that comfort level?
1: So part of getting a couple ready for a match is a, a conversation with the counselor about having to relinquish control. Because you don't have control, you need to learn to trust. And what we're doing in allowing a couple um, to choose a surrogate mom, we're giving them the power to choose who's going to do this for them. We're not just telling them, this person will do it for you. We're involving them in the process of choosing that person. And that psychologically is helpful to couples.
0: That's excellent because it is a huge amount of control that you're relinquishing. And a lot of people who are going the surrogacy route, are people who have had a lot of decisions to make and feelings of lack of control. They may be people who are typically very much in control. And so...
1: Infertility does that to you, right? It strips you away with all, all your control. I mean, I did yes. IVF to have my children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a doctor out there and there's a nurse telling me what I'm doing every single day. And you sort of feel that you're just a tool in their, in their little game. But you're not. They're trying to help you. And you've just got to come to realize that I need to ask for help and I need to let the help happen. And I need to accept it.
0: And, and I do believe also that comes with the trust and the comfort level in the decisions that you make, which is exactly what you're saying to these people. Correct. More frequently, you're starting to hear about people going the surrogacy route. And sometimes it's because they can't carry. And sometimes it's because it would be better for their lifestyle not to carry.
1: Do you evaluate those two differently? Sure. So at CSP, I want to help couples that are unable to have children any other way. So if you come to me and say, I'm a very successful business lady, for me to be pregnant right now in my career is just not going to happen, but I want to have children, I will decline to work with that client. I call that social surrogacy. I am very supportive (laughs) of it. I, I have no qualms about it whatsoever. It's just that in my program, I feel that we have so few surrogate moms that make it through the screening process that I want to keep those surrogate moms for those couples that really need help. So whether you're a gay couple, whether you're a single person, whether you're a married couple, um, whether you're a heterosexual couple, couples need to have a reason to do surrogacy, mm-hmm. and it can't just be a social reason in our program. Yeah, the
0: people who I am working with who go to your agency actually have very profound reasons as to why they're there. So you, yes. that, that's been my kind of contact with your agency and it's been through the, um, the intended parents experience. So that's how right. I came
1: to thank you to reach out thank to you, you. So one of the things that I say to couples is if I accept you because of your career, remember I'm having surrogate moms choose the couple. So I'm going to present a gay couple, I'm going to present you that's doing it for social reasons and I'm going to pre- uh, present a couple with a wife had uh, breast cancer which couple do you think the surrogate mommy's gonna choose? It's unlikely they're gonna choose the social couple. So they need to go to a program where you don't, where you get told who to work with, you don't get choices.
0: Right, no, it makes a lot of sense. And now the surrogate has already had a child, according to your kind of um, Mm -hmm. guidelines. And so they're gonna be pregnant with their own children in the house. And they want to explain also the journey that they're taking to help other people. So now you do this and what happens they develop this incredible bond during the pregnancy and then the baby is born
1: and then (laughs) we go back to life right so the okay. most important thing is that the couple. so the, not every couple develops let me say that first a, an amazing bond because we're all different personalities and right. just because you don't bond at a very deep level with your surrogate mom doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't make the surrogate mom a bad person we have a lot of surrogate moms that have very very busy lives and they don't have that much time for the intended parents but moving forward when it comes to the birth the most important moment, of course, in surrogacy is the birth. And a surrogate mom wants the intended parents to be present for the birth for two really important reasons. The first one is that for a woman, a birth is a normal birth because a parent is in the womb. We're giving birth to those children. So to a surrogate mom, this birth becomes psychologically normal if there's a parent in the room. So you want the intended parent to be in the room. Because then she can relinquish all those feelings. There's a parent there. The second reason why a surrogate mom wants the intended parents in the room is that a surrogate mom became a surrogate mom not to become pregnant again because you and I both know she could sleep with her husband and have a baby anytime she wants. Uh She's doing this to help this couple become parents. So the very minute that she gives birth and she sees her intended parents holding their baby, And she sees that look on their face. That is a moment that is owned by that surrogate mom forever, because she created that moment, and she is so extraordinarily proud of herself. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: It's an incredible moment.
1: And if you do surrogacy right, you get these moments. You get to celebrate these moments. You get to recognize these moments. And it's the transition of knowing that you've completed your quest surrogacy is a quest for surrogate moms and when you see that couple the surrogate mom psychologically says look what i did i completed my quest she doesn't feel that she's harmed or there's something that's missing she's now completed that quest and we now begin the journey of separating them so that both parties can go back to their own lives
0: so i'd like to talk about that but the other thing that's coming to mind is the finance so uh, You're kind of saying there's no real financial incentive for somebody to be a surrogate. Because as I'm hearing this story, which I believe it's beautiful and it's wonderful, and it is very altruistic. I mean, I don't know how much you could possibly pay somebody to do this if they don't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. But are people doing this for the financial gain?
1: I'm sure that there's a lot of surrogate moms that do it for financial gain. I have absolutely no qualms with that whatsoever. I think women are empowered to make decisions for their own body. The difference is we don't want that to be the only reason for doing surrogacy. Otherwise, they won't psychologically connect with the couple. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other, this is what I say to couples, and I say to surrogate moms. If you're doing this only for the finances, and next week you win the lottery, does that mean you get to terminate the pregnancy? Oh, that's great. Or drop the couple? Mm -hmm. If the answer is, I would never do that for them, then it's, well, let's explore that. You are doing it for other reasons. Let's explore those reasons, and let's recognize them.
0: Excellent. Excellent. That's great. That's great. So if we go back to what you were saying, now you begin the separation process.
1: H- how does so that it's happen. perfectly healthy for the surrogate mom to go back to her family. Remember, uh-huh. she's had this project, and she's pretty much ignored her kids and her family for a while. while. She goes to doctor's appointments and et So now she's especially
0: the sleep. last month of pregnancy, you're uncomfortable. And even exactly. The best well, these women have
1: amazing pregnancies. Uh-huh. I mean, I've got to <laughs> say, they look amazing. They carry amazing pregnancies. They love it. But you're right. They, they, in the last month, you know, you're heavy. You're tired. Right. And so she hasn't been as active a mom as she should have been to her own family. So now she gets the opportunity on her maternity leave to really rebalance herself and get reinvolved with her family to the degree that she wants to be. And they the get maternity leave. The surrogate yes, will absolutely. Get leave. Exactly. They get maternity leave, they get um, the lost wages, whichever contribution the state or disability might make, and the couple will make up the rest of the lost wages.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. So now where does the communication start to subside a little bit because everybody wants to go back to their own life? The intended parent wants to now raise their beautiful baby and the surrogate needs to now pay attention to her own life and her own family.
1: Correct. And it's a natural progression. So you've now got a couple that was, you know, texting and talking to the couple once, twice, three times a week, and now you've got a couple that doesn't have time for that because they have a newborn baby at home, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's no sleep and there's, you know, bottles and diapers and they're just in a crazy world with everyone visiting and celebrating with them. So they don't have as much time to do that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we have a surrogate mom that's missing all those messages. So this is where the agency starts stepping back in again, and this is where fellow surrogate moms start stepping in until the couple is a little more balanced.
0: Wonderful. So she gets that support from the agency at that point? Yes. And and you become
1: much more involved. Correct. So we have monthly group support meetings, which is held by a counselor, and the surrogate moms in their territory go to the group meeting. And every surrogate mom has the right to go to a meeting after birth so that she can give her birth story. And so she gets celebrated by all the other ladies in the room while she tells everyone how they celebrated the birth of this precious child. Yeah.
0: That's lovely. That's really lovely. What I find is because I don't work with the surrogate, I work with the intended parents. And there's <laughs> a lot of questions that come up there and a lot of, a lot of challenges that they face aside from the control. But they're looking to the future and how they're going to discuss this with their children and how they're going to talk to the children. And the dynamics are different, whether it's a, uh, an embryo that was from both parents or if it's a donor sperm or donor egg, each story is very unique and very different.
1: Right, and that's why intended parents should stay very closely aligned with a mental health professional because people like you are very experienced with many, many cases under your belt where you can guide couples through all the different ways of telling your child. So where I come into the equation is when I travel to all these different countries and around America, I like to interview children that have been born through my program. Yes,
0: you know, and, and finding out, having you share that would be fabulous because when we were talking about that the other day, it was incredible, the stories you were telling me.
1: Well, it's the highlight of everything that I do is to meet these absolutely marvelous children. I mean, it's it's amazing to meet these children. So what I do is... Whenever I travel, I contact intended parents and say, if you've told your child I'm going to be in town, could I meet them? Would they like to give a speech at one of our seminars that we are at? And often the kids love to do that. So I like to interview the children. And so I'm interviewing them about, you know, when did you first know you were born through surrogacy? The best answer that any child can give me is, oh, um, I don't actually know when I found out. I just sort of always knew. And there, to me, is the perfect answer those parents have done it the right way. It wasn't a, hey, let's sit, sit down and have a conversation. It was just an ongoing conversation throughout their lives.
0: And how does the parent become comfortable with it? What are you finding? I, I know how I work with people, but do you give them suggestions or tips on how to be comfortable in this communication?
1: Absolutely. So the main, reason, main thing that we say to couples is start when your baby's in your arms hey welcome home we're your mommy and daddy and Mary is this wonderful surrogate mom that helped us and just start talking about it they they babies just start getting used to it but an important thing that we say to couples is create a picture journey a picture book of your journey and you can go to you know Costco and Amazon and Shuttlefly, they've all got these books. Right. Where you start creating pictures and it's a journey of how much you wanted this child and the journey it took you and the village it took to create this child. And when your baby's young, start reading that book to your, your child. And then at some stage, stop reading the book. But leave it on their shelf.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And somewhere along the line, your child's going to go and collect that book. When you say, what book are we reading tonight? All of a sudden, your child's going to pick that book And they're telling you, I'm ready for the next stage.
0: That's a wonderful way to do it. I have had people use those books. And Mm -hmm. I actually uh, suggest to people, which would be hard for surrogacy, that they start to tell the child the story while the child is in the womb. Mm -hmm. So they create their own story right away. And it allows the intended parents to be comfortable with the journey. Wait, so with the, the surrogacy. I was born. What
1: happened the night I was born?
0: Right, and it's so very often when I have people who are going through surrogacy or adoption, we talk about the fact that they are pregnant. They're pregnant right now. <laughs> they're just not showing <laughs> the world that they're pregnant. And Correct. it's what they choose to tell the world. So now you meet these children, um, and what, what is the message that you typically get from the children when you talk to them?
1: So, right, also children did, did, you know, when did you find out? And then I will say to them, has has the fact that you were born through surrogacy in any way impacted your, your life? Were you teased at school as something positive, something negative? And in the early days, they were teased. Uh-huh. And, oh, you were purchased, someone paid for you, because that was in the media in those days, right? That mm-hmm. surrogacy right. was for the money. Mm-hmm. But now, pretty much, the media is not so negative anymore. Um, so I don't often hear as much of the children are being teased. Now I hear well, I'm no different to all the other kids, you know, this kid is adopted, these children were all born through IVF, um, this child has two stepmothers, this person has two mothers, this person but has two so mothers. many
0: families today, and so many ways that families are established today.
1: Exactly. I mean, in our days, you know, when, at our ages, life was different, but in today's world, the children live in a very blended world, so they, they don't feel that they're that much different to anyone else.
0: It but I haven't... I, I, You know, I always think of this story that I'm just going to share with you quickly, and I have to say I can't give credit to where I heard it from because I, I don't remember. It was either a podcast that I was listening to or something that I was reading. I'm, I'm sorry that mm-hmm. I don't remember, but it was of a parent who told their child that they were born through a donor egg and the child was so excited and the parents hadn't told anybody they believed that it was a child's right to find out first so the child by the time they understood it was so excited that the next day at show and tell they got up and they told the entire class that they were born through a donor egg and then everybody knew the whole world and you have to credit the parents for that <coughs> and being comfortable enough in the way that they presented it to be able to share that with the child that way
1: isn't that amazing i I think it's the most amazing story yeah i love it give your child the information it's their story yeah and just trust that you've done a good enough job as a parent that they will embrace that and do what they need to do with that story but trust your children
0: yes absolutely and so the message really seems to be that the children feel loved and wanted and and um there's security in that
1: And that's that's interesting. So, I never raise the subject with the children when I interview them about how they feel and um, specifically, do they know that they were wanted? I actually avoid that entire subject. And it's interesting that every single child that I interview has found a way during our interview to let me know that they understand that their parents really worked hard to have them and that they were really wanted by their parents. And they're almost Madness. specific about it with me. They will like, go, oh, but you've got to really understand, Karen, my parents really, really wanted me. I mean, your heart just breaks. It's so beautiful to hear these kids Own this and be so proud of how much they were wanted.
0: As I hear you talk, you know, I keep getting tears brought to my eyes, and I find that I'm not asking you quite as many questions as I want to because (laughs) the stories and the way you're explaining things is is really just so wonderful to listen to, at least
1: to me. So I really appreciate it. Children are amazing. I have a funny story just to you know Mm -hmm. lighten it up a little, so I don't make you cry all the time. So I asked this one child, Chase. So, I, And he's quite the character. So I was talking to Chase about how surrogacy has impacted his life. And he, he told me the most beautiful story. He's, you know, he talked about how much his parents had to work, in fact, use her entire inheritance that she had inherited to pay for him because they couldn't afford it otherwise and they were lucky to inherit. And what he said to me is, you know, when I'm studying, sometimes, you know, I'm very good at, at college. And sometimes when I'm studying, I think, OK, I've done enough studying. I've got this down. I close my books and I want to go and do something. Since then, I always remember that if my parents had done just that, what was necessary, I wouldn't be here.
0: Oh my so goodness!
1: So I go back to my I go back to my books, and I always put in a little extra effort. Wow! What yeah. a beautiful gift surrogacy has given him. I mean, what appreciation, right? What appreciation
0: for life <laughs> and for parents? Oh my goodness! Well, now I really have tears in my eyes. <laughs> it was supposed to be a happy one, and I yeah. made it something
1: else. But isn't it beautiful? It is. It children
0: is. children feel. Yes, and that's wonderful. So how do we do this? How do we change laws and regulations so that parents can move forward in all of the states? Because all of the states don't have this at this point, and all the countries don't have it at this point. And Correct. I know that there's a lot so of things involved. In America, so.
1: most of our states now, luckily, have passed laws permitting surrogacy. So we know that last year, uh, New York tried mm-hmm. to bring in, through 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 KERMA, they tried to bring in the, the new laws in, in, San- in New York. Oh, I'm getting all confused here. So they tried to change the laws in New York last year. Mm-hmm. And um, they got so, so close to changing it, I but know. at the last minute they didn't have enough votes. I believe... They will introduce new legislation next year, Uh and they will pass it in New York.
0: That would be wonderful because I'm located in New York. I work with people in different places, but I'm located in New York, and most of the women that I work with have to get on a plane and fly to meet their surrogates or to go to a doctor's visit or the 20-week follow-up for the sonogram. New
1: Yorkers feel that they're doing something wrong. How can it be wrong to want a child?
0: Well, I have people from other countries where the countries don't allow it and it's looked down on. So they're not even comfortable telling friends and family because they don't want, um, especially Italy, you know, they don't want the... the, And um, France, believe it or not.
1: uh, France is... I have some, you know, some children in France that you know when I was recently in France and I interviewed the kids and they don't tell any of the people in their lives that they were born through surrogacy and that's really sad that they their parents have told them keep this quiet
0: and and it changes the dynamic for the child because all of mm-hmm. a sudden there's something to feel not so good about yourself with that it has
1: to be a secret with how you're brought into the world you know and w- I tell you what I found interesting because this one couple actually has triplets um, oh my that are now. 22 years old. So it's a long time ago that they had the triplets. And so in those days, they could absolutely tell no one. And the interesting thing is, every summer, those children have come to an American camp uh-huh. for two months, so that they could be free with their story. Wow. Wow. And so that's what the parents did to them. It's when you're in America, tell anyone anything you want to know. And they talk about America in such positive terms. When they were younger, I visited them as well. And what was interesting is they pulled out of their, their backpacks, so they just came in from school when I arrived, and each one of them had a pencil case with the American flag on it. Wow. They Isn't were proud that, that, that they were born in America. And to, to them, America represented that they would have the freedom to talk about anything.
0: Yes, the freedom to be who you are.
1: Yeah, it's changing. I mean, it definitely is changing. I mean, Australia is, you know, opening up more to surrogacy. You've got Canada. England, of course, has had surrogacy for a long time, although they've got very quirky, strange laws. But it's beginning the to The laws happen. are
0: different, but the interesting thing is, in, in the UK, you find that people are much more open and that do talk about it. And it seems as though um, it's not looked at in any way, shape, or form as anything, but just this is what it is. Whereas in America, there's still a little bit of a stigma attached to certain types of infertility treatments.
1: Well in England there's, there's a little bit of a stigma as well. I mean people are not as open as, I mean maybe in London, yes they are, but in the, as you go further out it's a little more difficult. I mean I've got very good friends of mine that have children born through my program but they're a gay couple mm-hmm. and they live in the suburbs so really far outside of London and they're the only gay couple in their little village. Um. And they really are having a tough time being a gay couple. Now their children are older now because they're the same age as my children, and we go on vacations together, so the kids get all the feedback uh-huh. that they need and the positivity that they need. But in their village, they are the only boys to a gay couple. Wow! And they have a hard time with that. So I get.
0: I bet. You know, when you're in a major
1: city like in America, when you're in, it's easier. But when you start getting to those smaller towns there's still work that needs to be done. But you're doing a good job, Laurie. You're doing this. You're running the
0: broadcast. I mean, this
1: is amazing.
0: No, I, I think what you're doing is incredible and it's profound for all these families. And you just have to hope, and of course you're very involved, which is a blessing for them. But you have to hope that the boys have grown up to feel secure within themselves. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, through all of this kind of um, uh, uncomfortable questioning or looking at or pointing fingers between being born with gay parents or being brought into the world through surrogacy, they were able to elicit enough confidence in themselves and who they are and (laughs) self-esteem to really be able to hold their heads up high. And yeah, that would that, be that, the important A little part. stronger
1: because they—you were right. I mean, they were pretty much bullied when they were younger. So they, we had to work really hard on building their confidence. They would come to America. The same thing as my French couple. They would come to stay at my house every single year to uh-huh. boost their confidence to meet other children born through surrogacy, so that when they went back home, they didn't feel they were so alone.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, and, and that's the piece, and that's what's so good about support groups, in my opinion, is that it brings people together so they don't feel alone. <laughs> and I, I could talk to you for hours about this, but I know we have to end, and I'm wondering <laughs> if there's anything that you would like to add that we didn't kind of touch on. I know we didn't get into depth about too much, but we we talked quite a bit about the, the process and you know how it feels and hopefully the laws and the regulations will change all over and people can be comfortable but is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: Well for me the best advice I can give any intended parent is absolutely seek guidance so go to a mental health professional go to a group support meeting it is invaluable even if you've never done that before and you only go to one or two you've opened the door in case you need to come back at a later time so give yourself the gift of getting some kind of counseling even if it's one or two sessions be very proud of what you've done remember it's a disease and you were able to overcome this and really believe in your children your children will be fine just tell them the truth embrace it be very proud of how you created them and I've spoken to hundreds of children they are marvelous kids very proud of the way they came into the world
0: fabulous I'd love to maybe have some on this on this podcast one day oh absolutely
1: we can arrange that
0: oh okay well let's do that we'll talk about that later absolutely yeah I think they would love it oh that would be fabulous fabulous well thank you thank you so much for all your information Karen and if somebody wants to get a hold of you or the agency how would they do that
1: Just go online to creatingfamilies.com and you go to contact us and you can send us an email and I'm happy to speak to anyone that needs some guidance.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And if anybody has any comments or questions, please feel free to contact me at lauriemetz.net. Thank you.
1: All right, thank you, Laurie.
0: Thank you, Karen.